Welcome to In Social Work, the podcast series of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work at www.insocialwork.org. We're glad you could join us today. The purpose of In Social Work is to engage practitioners and researchers in lifelong learning and to promote research to practice and practice to research. We educate, we connect, we care. We're In Social Work. Hi from Buffalo. We're excited about what's happening in our town. Our former psychiatric center, which was built in 1880 and just happens to be designed by famed architect H.H. Richardson, with grounds designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, will soon open as the Hotel Henry, an 88-room luxury hotel and conference center. Later this year, also on the grounds, the Buffalo Architectural Center will open as a museum showcasing our prized architectural history and resources. Just look it up to see what's going on. I'm Peter Sabota. Macro-focused social work, the often neglected sibling of clinical social work practice, is fighting back in 21st century fashion. In this episode, our guests Rachel West, Karen Zagoda, and Patricia Shelley describe how they're using macro-social work Twitter chats to promote support and education for all forms of macro practice activities. Our guests discuss the origins of what they refer to as their microblogs, and what Twitter chats are, and why social workers are producing and participating in them. They talk about how their use of social media promotes community among macro practitioners, and how they rely and learn by partnering with a community of like-minded and interdisciplinary professionals and contributors jazzed about macro social work. Rachel West is a licensed master social worker, blogger, consultant, instructor at Stony Brook University School of Social Welfare, and a founder of the Macro Social Work Twitter Chats. Karen Zagoda, MSW, LCSW, is an instructor at the School of Social Work at Bridgewater State University. Patricia Shelley, MSW, is Director of Community Engagement and Expansion at the UB School of Social Work. Our guests were interviewed in September of 2016 by our own Dr. Anahita Ball, PhD, MSW, and Assistant Professor here at the UB School of Social Work. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to join us. And I'm excited to have a chat about macro-social work and how you all use Twitter to kind of create new conversations about this specific area of social work research and practice. So before we begin, I thought we could first define what Twitter chats are for listeners and help us understand what the Macro Social Work Twitter chat group is specifically. Rachel? The origins of the Macro W Twitter chat, what happened was that I had been involved in Twitter chats before with Social Work Helper. So I understood the kind of impact they could have with regards to networking and community education. And what happened was a few years ago I started doing the uh, social media management for COSA and I had um, created a, a Twitter account for them and a Facebook account. I need to start building up a following there online. So I wanted to do a chat for them that would take place on a regular basis to kind of help with building up their Twitter following. So I reached out to Deanna Hooper, who is the founder of Social Work Helper, to see if she wanted to get involved, because I knew that doing it alone would be rather time-consuming, because Twitter chats can be kind of deceptively simple. A lot of people think that it's like 
you just kind of like show up on a certain day of the week and just start chatting about a topic. But there's actually a lot of work that goes into preparing for them in terms of putting together all your information, your research, getting any guest experts you need, putting out any chat announcements. So Diana was the one that actually suggested that we open it up to other people, you know, other macro-focused social workers and social work organizations. So that's kind of how we started getting involved with like the University of Buffalo and how Karen got involved and the other chat partners. Because it's much easier to pull off doing a chat on a weekly or bi-weekly basis if you've got multiple people taking responsibility for putting together the chat. I think Karen has a really great definition of what a Twitter chat is, and perhaps we could start with that and then go to Rachel's origins of this specific macro social work chat. Karen? So when we talk about Twitter chats, what we're really talking about is kind of real-time microblogging, where there's a choice of topic area, use of a common hashtag, in our case, hashtag macrosw, and open access to anyone either with a Twitter account or who searches for that hashtag on Twitter. This is Pat, and of course Twitter is one of the very popular social media platforms that people use to exchange information in this professional sense with the profession of social work. It is a way to network with other professionals. It's uh, mm -hmm. during our chats, it's a great opportunity for students to get both real life experience with a technology that can serve them as ongoing networking and continuing education and discussion about topics. It's a way to keep abreast of, of current issues and a Twitter chat is also time limited. For example, ours is one hour, and most chats, I think, are that length, mm -hmm. one hour in length. And we mm -hmm. also archive it so you can go back and read the actual tweets as they were uh, made during the chat. So it's got multiple avenues for access. Right. This is Karen. Uh, I want to add that sort of the microblogging aspect of social media. This is from some upcoming publication material that we're actually doing about MacroSW. It's sort of one aspect of social media that has been shown to have the potential to encourage participation, reflective thinking, and collaboration. So basically folks on Twitter actually connect to each other through these series of short messages of these tweets that consist of no more than 140 characters. So on Twitter, as one can follow other individuals, organizations, get information on news, entertainment, or any variety of topic areas. And while Twitter was initially created in 2006, it's pretty popular. There's roughly 230 million monthly active users currently on Twitter. This is Anna. I just to clarify then. So using Twitter chats, the macro social work Twitter chat has always been focused on macro social work. And I'm wondering, was it always as frequent as it is now, or how did it start in the beginning? Oh, this is Rachel. We started doing, I believe it was bi-monthly or bi-weekly chats. Because initially when we started, I think there was only, there was only like five of us. Like I said before, there's actually a lot of prep work that goes into putting together a Twitter chat. So initially, it was hard for us to do every week. And then just this past year, we started going to a weekly format because we added in some additional partners. And there was a demand there for it. What started happening was that on Twitter, 
we were getting like a lot of responses from chat participants who would be like, oh, can you talk about like this topic this week? And then we're like, well, we don't have a chat scheduled for this week. It started gaining momentum and then you had people reaching out who were like suggesting topics and the calendar was filling up quicker. So at that point it was like, okay, it, it kind of makes sense to move to a, a weekly chat rather than doing it every other week. So it seems like there's a lot of interest then in macro social work as a topic for yeah. Twitter chat. Why do you think there's a need to have it specifically for macro social work or to promote macro social work? It's Rachel again. I guess I'll, I'll take that one. I think what it is is that while there's a lot of interest in it on Twitter, I think the reason there's so much interest is because it's hard to, as a macro social worker, find other macro social workers. Macro social work has kind of been in trouble for a while now. For many years now, the emphasis has really been leaning towards clinical practice in social work. So even at like schools that focus on generalist practice, there's a great deal of imbalance there. That the scales are much more heavily tipped towards focusing on coursework for clinicians instead of focusing on, you know, equally on direct practice micro work as well as macro. So I think it just provides a place for macro social workers to get together and network with each other and share resources because it's something that they really couldn't get, like even from the NASW, so much of the material they have in terms of the type of community education courses provided, the um, journal articles, the newsletter articles are geared towards direct practice, you know, micro. So it's just been a really great way for macro social workers to get together and support each other and find community. This is Pat. Perhaps it would be helpful for our audience to know what macro social work is. And so taking a quote that, and these, this is a frequently asked questions that may be found on the chat's website, which is macrosw.com. It's a WordPress mm -hmm. blog that we use. Macro practice is professionally guided intervention designed to bring about change in organizational community and policy arenas. Mm -hmm. So instead of having an individual as a client or a family, you can think of macro social work clients as communities, as countries. If we're setting uh, national policy, mm -hmm. for example, on the need for trauma-informed care and all mental health facilities, that would be an example of macro practice. And just to, I'm interested, I know I'm going a little bit off here, but Pat, you mentioned the website for the Twitter chat. Is that typically how Twitter chats work, or is that something that's different that you've all developed also? The website for the macro social work chat is a blog, and that website is macrosw.com. And we list mm -hmm. what upcoming chats are going to be about. We have an introduction to each week's chat that is the form of a short blog post. There are resources listed there with links that you can do some preparatory reading often a list of resources and names of our guest experts should we be hosting a guest expert to speak on a topic. This is Karen. Just to sort of add to what Pat said, while our hashtag, hashtag MacroSW, is technically available 24-7, the only time we as chat partners actually staff it are on Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, mm -hmm. 10 p.m. Eastern Time. So, you know, we have no control over how people use the chat in the interim. However, we do have our website, which is available 24-7 and which all of our chat partners contribute to. 
So like Pat said, you can find chat announcements. So some people really like to have reminders because lives get busy and they want to know what's going on. And we currently have, I believe, over 100 people subscribe to get those chat announcement updates. They can go to those resources. We even have educator resources on our website. So that way faculty who are interested in using Twitter chats for a classroom assignment can get some background information about some tips and tricks to do that a little bit more easily. And then if we have special events like our media nights, we have them there as well. So that way there's sort of a one-stop shop for the chats when we're not actually in that chat room. Pat, I think this is a good spot to acknowledge our chat partners. And as Rachel mentioned, we started with basically five individuals, two schools, two universities, schools of social work at that time. Now we just have the University of Buffalo as a school of social work uh, participating. But in addition to mm -hmm. Rachel, who is an individual macro social work practitioner, and Karen, who of course is a professor, we have Laurel Hitchcock, a professor at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. We have Christian Batista Frazzi, who is an author and marketing consultant and a macro social worker independent. We have Jeff Fromneck, who's an attorney as well as a social worker, and he works with Side Project Inc., which assists nonprofits in uh, sound strategies and legal boundaries that need to be observed. Rachel represents ALCOSA, Association for Community Organizations and Social Administration. Rolando Tompkins-Jones is a professor, also a PhD student, and he has a very popular blog called Notes from an Inspiring Humanitarian. Sonia Fulania is a uh, social worker, founder and executive director of the Empowerment Project, so an entrepreneur, and in addition, she also teaches. Melissa Thompson is our newest partner, and she is the founder of At Ramp Your Voice, a disabilities rights consultant and advocate, as well as a macro social worker. So those are lists of our nine partners in the macro social work chat. We also, Pat, this is Karen, and we have one current media chat partner as well. We also work with Linda Grobman at the new social worker magazine. So. Mm. In addition to sort of cross-promoting articles and different chats, we also now ha will have an article in upcoming new social worker magazines talking about, you know, the chat itself and kind of highlighting some of the topics that seem to be really popular among some of our chatters. So that way we have another way just to kind of talk about and sort of disseminate what kind of conversation are people having in this medium and why might you want to be involved. It's a much bigger project than I think, Rachel, as you said, it's deceptively difficult. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's always administration, right? There's always administration. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so out of all of this work, I'm curious what benefits or outcomes you've seen from the chats. And it's really, I would think, broadly as the macro social work Twitter chat initiative, almost, not just the specific chat. This is Karen. I can talk a little bit about some statistics that we have compiled. So we're currently working on an evaluation study of 2014-2015 Twitter chat data at the time that was all we had had available. And what we found in looking at a sort of systematic sample of those chats was that each chat typically averaged about 27 users that range anywhere from 9 to 100. Usually if there's a class there, it's 100. They're very, very active chats. So typically we found that each chat had an average of about 245 tweets 
And again, we found that range anywhere from 70 to 969 tweets in an hour. I can tell you that we had a chat in July 2016 to collect feedback on the newly revised NASW technology standards. And this was another one of those chat topics that sort of came about by popular opinion. People really wanted to have some way to incorporate input on this topic and be able to send that to NASW, which we did. But, you know, we had over 300 visitors to our blog that week. It was viewed over like 600 times. Our chat statistics were pretty crazy. We had over, we used a service, a free service called Simpler to help us with those statistics. And that particular chat had over 6 million impressions, or what they call wow. tweets that were seen by others, over 1,600 tweets and 81 participants with an average of about 20 tweets per participant. And then our, one of our chat partners, Laura Hitchcock, collected all of this feedback and did submit that to NASW for review. So who would have thought that in the middle of July, when half mm -hmm. the population is probably on vacation, that that would have even been possible. We were really, it was really wonderful and awesome. And this is Pat. Speaking as a representative of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work, I think for schools, it's a great tool to engage students on a specific topic while giving them, you know, uh, experience with technology. And we've got a lot of positive feedback. The students at the end, like when we're wrapping up the chat at the hour, will say, okay, we've got five minutes left. And people will say, this is my first chat. It's great. I'm definitely coming back here again. I learned so much. So there's mm -hmm. that concrete feedback that says, this is good. This is helpful. You share so many resources. This is Karen. Just to follow up on that, too, one of the things that I'm doing this semester at Bridgewater is I'm actually teaching a course on professional communication and writing and social media for BSW social work students. And I think it's so important in this day and age that students have that opportunity to get some practice and get some feedback about how we are using some of these tools using our professional voices. So how do we have a conversation on social media with our own identities, possibly representing our own agencies in a way that says, yes, as an agency, we're engaged in this issue and we want people to know, like, here's how to get resources or here's how to get involved or here's what we might need from you. But, you know, it's not all flaming political statements, even though that's very popular right before an election. Some of them are very fun and very terrible to read. But it's important for students to have that opportunity mm -hmm. to sample some of these tools and take advantage of them. Like, we're constantly sharing these resources. So for example, this Thursday, we are actually working with a couple of organizations, including NASW, to talk about you know, the current state of what's going on with HIV and AIDS. And we're going to have a lot of resources, and we're going to have NASW at the table. How often do you get to have you know, a one-hour conversation with some of our, the power players in our field and be, mm -hmm. then again, as a student, really being like, okay, so how do I talk to NASW? What kinds of things do I say? What kinds of things can I share with them or can they share with me to help me do my job better and help me serve clients better? This is Pat. Another outcome of these chats, and Rachel, I'd like you to speak to this should you wish, is mm -hmm. the collaboration of other yes. professional organizations and national organizations We've even had some international social work chats, and I know someone from Britain, Canada, other countries have taken a part in this too. But Rachel, could you talk about the partnerships and the hosts, and you've been a primary person who's enabled that collaboration. Sure. 
when Patty said that I was in practice of macro social worker, my interest is in using social media as a community organizing, community outreach tool. So I think part of what I've gotten out of doing this collaboration is seeing how it can be used as a way to educate the community, in this case macro social workers, but also connect with and collaborate with other disciplines and other associations. So over the course of doing these chats, you know, we've had groups like Side Project, which Jeff was part of, come in, which his law firm specializes in philanthropic work. So they specialize in guiding not just nonprofits, but also anybody who is interested in setting up like a foundation or anything like that. SCRA, which is an association for community psychologists, came in, and that was an interesting chat because before that, like I didn't realize just how much overlap there was between macro social work and community psychology. So I think that was really interesting to connect. It also kind of showed that with regards to community psychology, I think they're doing a lot more research and publishing a lot more research than macro social workers tend to do. So I think that kind of to me pointed out that you know macro social workers need to start getting out there more and publishing research. ACSWA, which I believe is an association for clinical social work, has been involved in quite a few chats. Also, I believe Pat did one with um, the Institute on Trauma and Trauma-Informed Care, came in to work with us on a chat. So it's been really interesting as, as the chats have gone on, we've been able to connect with kind of interdisciplinary groups and, and kind of inform each other's work. And I also think, like, going back to what Karen was talking about with regards to the stats on some of our chats, I think it also kind of shows you how social media can be used as an advocacy tool and an outreach tool. Because you know you can have like 81 participants on a chat, but because they're retweeting and involved in the chat, you can end up reaching a few million people who end up seeing some of the tweets that have gone out there. And going back to the other part too about getting the students involved with using social media, I think there's a real need. I'm out here that Karen's doing that course this year. I'd like to see schools of social work integrate the use of social media into their coursework because it is important and at least speaking as a macro social worker I think it's important because social media can be a great tool if you're doing community organizing work or if you're doing policy work too. So I think it's really important that social work students kind of learn how to use all these different platforms and how to integrate it into the work that they're doing in the field. This is Pat, and I also want to mention one of our collaborators has been the, the American Association of Social Work and Social Welfare. So mm -hmm. um, I'll use the acronym AASWSW. They have developed 12 grand challenges for social work, and we've had a number of chats on those grand challenges. And so I'll just list the topics that we've addressed that is really future-looking essentially looking at what's the best policy as well as the best practices that will bring about significant change in within the U.S. of dire social problems. So we have addressed these grand challenges, homelessness, social isolation, smart decarceration, so when people leave prison and jails, what is their re-entry, as well as looking at the policy that makes the United States the number one in prisoner of human beings in the world. We've also had discussions of the grand challenge of healthy development for youth, how to harness technology for good, and to building financial capability of all. 
Another national organization to be mentioned is the Council on Social Work Education. We had a chat on the Educational Policy and Accreditation Standards, which of course CSWE, Council on Social Work Education, is the accrediting body for all schools of social work within the U.S. So I think that reflects both on the desire to participate in discussions around macro social work and its potential growth that we might see over the next few years. And Rachel, isn't there a campaign to get more people into macro social work? Yes, there is. What happened was a, a few years ago, ACOSA had sponsored a report that was written by Jack Rothman, uh, which we just referred to as the Rothman Report, which looked at the state Famously of Famously referred to as the Rothman Report. Right, right. Yeah. Which um, looked at the state of macro social work and social work education. And some of the key findings there was that like faculty and administration were either opposed or showed no real interest in macro courses or programs, that the schools were not hiring macro-focused faculty, or they at least weren't hiring them at the same rate they were hiring faculty focused on clinical work, that school curriculums were primarily clinical. So again, even when there was you know, schools that are supposed to be generalist practice, that there still wasn't a balance there, that the, you know, those scales are still tipping heavily towards focusing on clinical work. So out of that, you know, the Special Commission to Advance Macro Social Work Practice was formed, and they started working not that long ago on a campaign which they're calling 20 by 2020. So the aim there is to increase the enrollment in macro concentration or method by 20% in all social work schools nationwide by the year 2020, and also to advocate for more macro content. Basically what we want to do is just have a balance there. It's not that we're saying that clinical doesn't matter as much as macro or anything like that. We're saying that there needs to be an equal balance there, that you know there should be pretty much as evenly you know focused on micro as there is a um, macro, which there currently isn't. So, so that's what they've really been working on over the past few years. So they've been doing things like advocating with the CSWE, which is responsible for accrediting the, the BSW and MSW programs. They've been meeting with the NASW and other social work associations, as well as I think some of the social work licensing boards to kind of try to just get that balance in the profession. And then just to add one other thing too, like we also do, um, you know, in social work we always, Karen, we always talk about self-care and things like that. Mm -hmm. So in last March of 2016, we actually had a collaborative chat for Social Work Month and we worked together with a variety of different partners, including our social work, Rhonda Ragsdale, who runs the hashtag Saturday School chat on Saturdays. We worked with Jonathan singer of the Social Work Podcast and Shauna Grieger, who were talking about hashtag SPSM, which is a suicide prevention social media chat. And we again partnered with ASWSW and NASW, and we were talking about social work heroes and why Social Work Month is important and what you wish more people appreciated about social workers and things like that. So it's, I always feel it's important to take a step back and even just participating in this podcast is just having me realize this, wow, we are really busy. No wonder we're so tired sometimes. We do a lot of really great work, <laughs> and we work really hard to try to make this really great experience for people. You know, this is no one's 
full-time gig. We're all, mm -hmm. you know, working full-time, doing our things, having our lives, and then, you know, we've still been coming together every week on Twitter, and it's been really awesome and amazing to work with these folks and learn from them and meet new people. And it sounds, this is Anna, it sounds like a lot of the work you've done is very nicely aligned with the initiatives that are happening in multiple arenas around macro social work and technology. So I'm wondering now if you could talk a little bit about any research projects that have resulted from the macro social work chats or even within teaching also. This is Karen. So as I previously mentioned, we're sort of working on this ongoing evaluation of the chats and as available, we try to promote just what is happening. So that way, you know, interviews like this are really helpful just to even have us kind of coalesce around, well, what are we doing? What What is going on with this with these chats? Why are we doing all of this work? What, you know, what is the end point? So we're sort of working on that evaluation. It is tough. It, you know, good research takes a long time. And if it's not your full-time gig, it takes even longer. We have submitted for publication in an upcoming book chapter some information about the chats, a little bit more detailed information. And, you know, we would really like in the future, I think, to think about, you know, what is our role within the grander context of macro social work? Are we able to impact that conversation? Are we really able to possibly reduce isolation and increase connection among people practicing and learning about macro social work? Can we, through the power of just having these regular conversations, have some kind of influence and impact? And I think ultimately, that would be one of the directions I think we would all like to see, and then have the numbers to be able to talk a little bit more about that. Mm -hmm. And it seems like maybe, I don't know if this is exactly what you're talking about, but I'm, something that I would be kind of interested in is knowing how many people are involved in the chats that are not social workers, that are involved mm. in macro work or community organizing or anything along those lines to see mm. an impact on practice that might be outside of social work, but you know, clearly very related. It didn't sound like you, know, you said you had a way to look at that yet. So when you participate in a Twitter chat, one of the unique things is that the only time you know people are there is when they talk. We have no way to know how many people are sort of actively listening to what's going on every week. We can sort of see sometimes in terms of impressions, how many people sort of view tweets, but we don't know if it was something they saw an accident, if it was something purposeful. There's no way for us to be able to collect that. I can tell you that I definitely have some friends on Twitter who have actually come into our chat room who I know are, I had a, a colleague from the school I'm teaching at who was in the math department and he came into our chat to talk about our topic. We had a topic last week on the impact of toxic masculinity and he was able mm -hmm. to come in and talk and he had two twin boys and he was sort of talking about, you know, huh. his concerns about what it means to have them grow up within this culture and, and it was really fascinating. So I'm sure, I don't know if Rachel or Pat want to add anything to that, but it definitely does. I wish we had a better way to try to capture that. It's Rachel. Yeah, like Karen was saying, it's kind of hard for us to know because if they don't actually talk in the chat or reach out to us through the website afterwards, like you don't really know who's actually watching. I mean, I can tell okay. you, like, I retweet stuff. And not all of my files on Twitter are social workers. You know, there's a lot of people who are interested in policy, who are other, you know, elected officials, people who do social justice work, who aren't social workers that follow me, so presumably they see those tweets when I put them out there. But I don't think we have any way of really gathering that 
kind of data at this point. And it seems like maybe, it seems like not, not even seems, it is that Twitter doesn't either. I recognize that too. <laughs> I mean, it might if you're CNN, but right. <laughs> that's not us. That's not our budget right now. This is Pat. I'd like to follow up. Karen mentioned uh, the chat last week on tax, toxic masculinity. And again, I'll remind people that you can go to our blog, macrosw.com, and read archives, the chat archives, and look mm -hmm. at the introduction to that. So toxic mm -hmm. masculinity was the chat for September 15, 2016. And that was based on a documentary. Once a month, we have a media night as part of our macro social work chats. And that's another way to bring in I won't know as I call it popular media, but certainly movies, we, you know, media night, movie night. We show documentaries. The documentary for toxic masculinity was called The Mask You Wear. Other topics that we've had for our media night is gunned down, dealing with gun violence, gun safety, and mass shootings. Concerned Student 1950, which is a documentary looking at the recent activism around racism on campus. We had a documentary dealing with AIDS in the U.S. South, and that is called Wilhelmina's War. And the most popular one, and this has been repeated once a semester by Laurel Hitchcock and her, she used to partner with a professor named Jimmy Estabio. Thank you, Jimmy, mm -hmm. on the documentary called Inequality for All, on how the wealth gap and that divide between the 1% richest people in the United States economy and the other 99, how that really is structurally created. So those are examples of our media night. I also cannot fail to mention at this point that the University of Buffalo has a lovely resource online for social work and technology. And if you go to the University of Buffalo School Social Work website and you will find under community resources a resource center that has technology and social work tools, as well as a lovely infographic dealing with the social worker's guide to social media, using it professionally mm. and ethically. So there's my... Yeah, that's fantastic. I have that in my office. Great. So I guess my last question then, after all of these, even these like newly developed activities have come out of the Twitter chats, what have you learned from the Twitter chats? What are some takeaways for you? that you want to share with listeners? It's Rachel speaking. One is that you actually don't need much of a budget to do something like this. I think we've done a lot, considering like Karen had mentioned, like this isn't like our job, our paying job to do this. So all the chat partners are pretty much just volunteering their time outside of what they do for a living and their personal lives to put these together. So it's like been one. I believe one we have a budget of twenty dollars for our website every year. That's about yeah. it. Everything else is like <laughs> Google Plus and Slack and email and mm -hmm. WordPress. So. Yeah, simpler, which is <laughs> This is Pat. A benefit that I've seen is the potential to grow truly global networks from something as simple as mm -hmm. this one hour a week mm -hmm. Twitter chat. For me personally, every week I feel that I learn. I have my awareness raised, and also I'm continually exposed to students who participate in our chat, and one of the benefits is it continually inspires me to think about 
the next generation of social workers and their commitment and their interest and the potential for uh, significant change that they represent. This is Karen. I'd also like to echo those sentiments. I often feel by Thursday night I'm exhausted, other people are exhausted, and whenever I go into the chat room I just feel instantly re-engaged and energized and I'm having fun with colleagues and by the end of the chat people are posting like gifts and social work memes and just sort of having fun with images and humor and like it's amazing to me how it always sort of just like brightens my day and just to have that connection. So I think as, as Rachel has sort of emphasized, it's always good to know that there's other macro social workers out there. And she's often said that it speaks to social media's effectiveness as an organizing and educational tool. And it's, it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to experience that for an hour. I sort of feel like students, practitioners, educators, and others in social work are just hungry for this conversation and this connection around macro social work practice. So we help provide the space, time, and experts for those conversations, connections, networks, and learning to grow. In my feeling, I sort of feel like ideally we can move from conversation to action and get people working on this and get people connected with job opportunities and different things like that. But mm -hmm. even just to sort of have that connection and just be like, you know, sort of reducing that social isolation around, you know, I'm the only macro social worker in my agency or, you know, I'm in a very clinical social work program, but where do I talk to who can I talk to about these systemic issues that are happening with social policy that you know clinical social work then has to deal with? You know, I think those connections and opening up those avenues for dialogue are so important. Yeah, so I think maybe one last component would be lessons learned for people who may want to start Twitter chats or start some other social media ways to engage micro social workers. That might be helpful too. That sort of this is Karen. I think that brings us to the roots of what it means to really practice macro-social work. And in all powerful sort of community organizing efforts, it always starts with people on the ground doing work and getting others involved in that. It's helpful if there's sort of an issue to kind of coalesce around. So if it's, if it's an election, if it's a candidate, if it is a particular issue that has special meaning to you or you want to have that impact on getting people involved, getting them together, figuring out how to communicate, and then what to do. It's not, I feel personally, that education is one piece of that, but it's not the whole picture. We can educate someone on how to drive a car from now until mm -hmm. next week, but if you don't actually sit behind the wheel, pump the gas, and start going in that car, you're never going to get anywhere. So there's that education piece, and then there's the action piece, which I think is so important. If you want it, you'll make it happen. This is Pat, and people can begin by just dropping in on a chat. You don't even need a Twitter account. So at 9 o'clock right. on a Thursday night, you can get on your computer. You can Google hashtag macrosw. That will bring up uh, that hashtag, and you can click on that link, and you will be able to follow the tweets as that goes along. I think also that there are many good guides. If you go to the website, our macrosw.com website, you will find uh, Twitter chat, frequently asked questions, FAQs, and that has some great resources. And we're very fortunate to have our partner, Laurel Hitchcock, a professor, but also someone who has been writing about, researching, and has a forthcoming book that will be co-authored with Melanie Sage and 
UB's Dean of Social Work, Nancy Smith, about the use of technology mm -hmm. in social work. So that's great. It sounds like there's a lot of places for people to get resources, starting with the chats, but going even further. Just to follow up with that, I mean, all we started with was a hashtag, and look where we are now. Anybody with Twitter access can start any hashtag they like. Like, look what's happened with, like, Black Lives Matter, how that's gained traction. Look what's even happened with No Doppel, what's happened with all of these other hashtags. Mm -hmm. So if there's an issue that's important, you start that hashtag, get people involved, yeah. start that conversation. It's Rachel. Just say that, you know, because we do the Twitter chats weekly now, but there are chats that are more like loose in how they run. So it's kind of like you have the official hashtag for that conversation, but mm -hmm. it's not like it takes place on a particular day and time. It's just whenever you, you know, whoever wants to discuss that topic related to that hashtag uses that hashtag. So like Karen Even saying, hashtag social work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can just use the hashtags just to have a conversation. It doesn't have to be that you're going to set aside an hour a week to talk about topic related to a particular area of social work or a particular area of whatever it is that you, you do. I think it's also a great way for students to sort of build their own professional branding. One of our chat mm -hmm. partners, Kristen, is an expert at personal branding. And, you know, if you want to become known as someone who's really engaged in social policy, if you start using hashtag social policy all the time, it's going to build that online reputation. So when employers go to search for you online, because that's what they do now, it gives them some sense about what you're doing with your social media presence. And I think that's also very important. That's great advice also. And I think, and I do, I really appreciate the time that you've all given to share your experience and also to help others kind of learn more about not just the Twitter chats, but really the whole project. I don't know if you're calling it a project at this point, but I think you might want to consider that <laughs> an initiative <laughs> or project. Or, it's more than a chat. And I think... It sounds also to me like you truly are doing macro social work at the same time when you talk about this community that you've built. It's a community, and it's a community that's doing things, and that is kind of at the core of macro social work. So I think it's pretty innovative and exciting. So thank you very much for sharing. Thank you, Anna, for interviewing. You've been listening to Rachel West, Karen Zagoda, and Patricia Shelley discuss promoting macro social work through social media on In Social Work. Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, Professor and Dean of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We look forward to your continued support of the series. For more information about who we are as a school, our history, our online and on-the-ground degree in continuing education programs, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. And while you're there, check out our Technology and Social Work Resource Center. You'll find it under the Community Resources menu.